0: Good morning. Good little story. That's Billy Foley. Awesome. Being vulnerable there, telling us a little bit about his story. Now, generosity takes a lot of different shapes and a lot of different forms. I want to tell you behind the scenes of what you just saw. Three times a year, New City Church hosts a global leadership summit where both of our locations, the Shawnee and the Edgerton, anybody who serves at any capacity is invited to come together. We're going to have a special night, just some behind the scenes stuff, sometimes bring in a special speaker. And on this specific night, it's back in July, I'm coming out of the, uh, I'm Matt, by the way, nice to meet you. Um, I'm one of the pastors. And we're, I'm walking out of the um, room preparing to communicate that, speak that night. And I see Billy sitting up against the wall right out here that, that you walked by when you came in this room. And I could just tell that there's something on something going on. I said, hey, Billy, what's up, man? He said, I just got word that my, my dad's about to die. And I said, when's the last time you've talked to your dad? He said, 30 years ago. Wow, what are you going to do? I don't know. I said, where is he? He's in Boston. I said, you going to go to Boston? And I could just tell when he didn't answer. I'm like, you, you can't maybe afford it right now? Is it tight? It's hard, right, for us men to admit sometimes when things are hard financially. And uh, Now, Billy is a part of our church. He and his wife, Tamara, and their child. Faithful. Faithful to attendance, They're devoted. They're devoted. Uh, he actually was serving. I was looking at a picture just a minute ago. He served this week at Neiman Elementary with Pastor Charlie's D Group that he's a part of. And they went and they served at a book tasting where kids would go to different tables and try different books. They didn't eat them. They would read a mystery book and then read a different types of books, trying to get kids inspired to read more. But they, they, they helped host the event. You know, Billions what they give. They're financially a part of New City Church, Right. And because I know that they're a part of this church family, when I see my friend, who I know this much by the way, I don't know Billy super well, but I know him enough to know his name. And when I when I say, "Hey, uh, your dad, Boston, you can't go," right there, that's when Pastor Matt says, "We're going to do something." So I got the elders that were there at that service that I could find. I said, "I need an immediate meeting. I recommend that we buy Billy round trip ticket to Boston to see his dad." Of course, they all agreed. We flew Billy to Boston. He gets to reconcile with his father. You heard that piece. But what you didn't hear is that he also got to speak with his mom, who he hadn't talked to in 32 years, and scared to death about that meeting. And as he walks in to meet with her, before he can even begin the reconciliation process, she says, Billy, before you say anything, I need to let you know that I found a relationship with Jesus, and I need to apologize for my behavior when you were a kid. Like God blew up Billy's life, reconciliation with his parents, right? And the reason that he was able to experience that is because we as a church are generous. Like, that that happened, that reconciliation story, that beautiful picture of generosity happened because people choose to give financially here. We don't get a grant from the government, right? You, if you've ever given to New City... And we're going to talk about generosity today, you are a part of that story. And I want you to know that God used you in a really fun, significant way in the life of Billy and his wife Tamara. Is that pretty cool? Awesome. Thank you, God. Now, we're going to talk about generosity today, and we're in the context of this series called Devoted, Living a Sharpie Life, and that's our heart. We don't want to be dry erase people. We want to have a Sharpie kind of life, something that sticks. But I have to caution us today, some of you are going to be inspired, you're going to be challenged, you might laugh, you might cry, and I'm okay with all of those emotions. But I, I just got to be honest with you today. If you are a follower of Jesus and you're pursuing spiritual things, which I hope we all are, or taking steps in that direction, don't let anyone fool you, nor yourself fool, fool you, that you can somehow do a Sharpie life in every area, except of that of your resources. Like, it's all of you, everything. Like, when you go to work, as a parent, as a friend, as a spouse, as a person, like, you're going to see somebody get baptized today. When we baptize people, we don't let them keep their wallet up out of the water. God, you can get everything but my money. No, 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 no. Like, some of us, the reason we're financially frustrated is because we haven't stepped into understanding what the biblical principles are concerning you and your resources. And I'll just be really honest. I'll give you the punchline for the end of the day, right? Here's the punchline. If you choose not to step into understanding what God says about you and your money, you better work your butt off on your own personal plan. But if you choose to say, well, I don't know, I don't want to give, I don't trust God with my resources, that's not kind of how I like to think about life. Listen, I am totally okay with that. Just don't, when finances get tight, or all of a sudden something comes up in your life and you find yourself broke, unexpected, don't you dare shake your fist at God saying, how could you do this to me? You have arrived at a destination that you're not prepared to be in because your way was better than God's way. Now, I know that's kind of hard for some of us to hear, right? But it's time that we grow up. And it's time that we take steps towards maturing because God, the Bible, speaks about money all the time. Some of you would have not liked Jesus at all because he talked about money so much. Why? Because it monopolizes our minds and our actions And so today we're going to have a little fun. We're going to start with the core. That wasn't fun. We're going to have a little fun, right? But it's truth. It's truth. You know, as a pastor, I have so many frustrating conversations with those of you who are upset about your situation. But guess what? It's your situation because you won't let it be God's situation. Here we go. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, our core scripture through the devoted series. Let's read this, and as I read it, I want you to look for not the word, but the expressions of generosity. Let's look for expressions of generosity in this passage. It's on your insert. It's also on the screens. Here we go. They were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Reverential awe came over everyone, and many wonders and miraculous signs came about by the apostles. All who believed were together and held everything in common, and they began selling their property and possessions and distributing the proceeds to everyone as anyone had need. Every day they continued to gather together by common consent in the temple courts, breaking bread from house to house, sharing their faith. I mean, sh- sorry, sharing their food with glad and humble hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number every day those who were being saved. Raise your hand if you saw an expression of generosity in that passage. It's really easy. Everybody should raise their hands, right? Right? They gave their time, they gave their own resources, and they, 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 they gave their talents. What they were naturally good at, That they, it was a whole life participation and generosity. It wasn't the wealthy people sold their stuff. It was a scene that everybody seemed to sell what they had when it was needed to be sold to meet the needs of everyone. I love this picture. It's an extreme picture of generosity, an extreme one. Whoa, 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 you tell telling me I'm going to have to sell my house today? Not at all. They did, in their context, what was required, what was needed, right? And a little beyond that, actually, to meet the needs of everyone else. I want to actually give you the definition of generosity on how we're going to define the word generosity uh, today, and it's this. Generosity is any time that you give beyond what is necessary or expected. Generosity, giving beyond. Not, it's not that you give what is necessary and expected. It's when you go beyond and you do what is not necessary, not expected, where you step into an opportunity of being generous. Now, there's actually three steps here. Because some of us, if we're honest, we don't even do what's expected or necessary when it comes to our money. See, I think obedience, just doing, just doing what's expected and necessary, is just the plumb line. That's just where we start. And some of us, we don't really have an understanding of what that is, or we've backed away what we understand it to be, because it just seems too hard, or it doesn't seem smart, it doesn't make sense, and so we back away from what we understand the scriptures to say, and so we're not even, uh, forget about going beyond what's expected and necessary, we haven't even decided yet what's expected or necessary to begin with. Today I'm hoping that you identify that. I'm not going to tell you, by the way. I'm going to give you a frame of generosity, and, and you're going to get to a step into that. And I want to, now, before in my life, I think I would have told you what that line was. I think I would have told you where obedience is and how you get past it. But there's a passage in 2 Corinthians that's had a big impact on my own interpretation. Of generosity. And I want us to read through that uh, for a few moments here. And, and here's the question. What is God saying to you based on this scripture? It's 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And this is Paul's follow-up letter to the church in Corinth. So he's written a first Corinthians. He's written a first letter. This is his second one. And in this portion of his letter, he is talking to them about a financial commitment that they have made to another church. So if you wanted to read in context, you could read chapter 8 up to what we're reading this morning. But this church in Corinth has made a financial commitment to give money elsewhere, and he is saying, hey, let's forget about what you said you would do and how you can prepare towards that. And then he says, starting in chapter 9, verse 6, remember this. Now, some of your translations may say, my point is, Paul's landing the plane on this thought, and he says, remember this, and I want to share four Generosity principles from this passage. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will reap generously. Does that make sense? Some of you aren't farmers. You're like, I don't get it. Right? I'm not a farmer either, but the principle is really simple. You take a little handful of rice and you throw it out. Guess what? That's all that's going to grow. But you take a bunch of handfuls of rice and you do a whole field. Guess what? The more you sow, the more you will reap. Now, in our life, in the way that we often think, because we've all played this game, we've all played the game of what you would do if you won the lottery. Come on, we all play it, right? And I know your is a righteous list, right? There would be nothing on your list that you would do for yourself. It's all for everyone else, right? Like, first, I would bless Pastor Matt with everything he wants, right? Which is what it should be, right? And we'll go from there. But um, we'll spend your money really well. I will spend your money so good. But um, we've all played that game on if I won the lottery, here's what I would do. And you think that. Like in, in our financial thinking, we often, and you might not say it, but we think this Man, God, if you would give me more, I would be more generous. No, you wouldn't. You'd buy a bigger truck. You'd buy a nicer boat. You'd get an Apple Watch. Maybe two. I don't know, right? We like to think, Oh, no, 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 no Matt, no, no, you don't know. Maybe the other people. But if, God, if you would give me more, then I would be more generous. But God is so smart. He's so much smarter than you and I. He knows. No, you won't. So in God's economy, here's principle number one, what you receive is determined by what you give. God says, you're going to be blessed by what you sow, not by what you wish for or what you hope for. You know, uh, think of it in a little bit of different context, okay? Because this, maybe this would connect. Some of you are waiting till you get the promotion at work before you start stepping into that responsibility. Like, as soon as your name tag says it, you'll do it. But you ain't doing it before then. In God's economy, it's proven it's not potential. At New City Church, if you're waiting to be a leader for your name tag to say it before you'll do it, guess what? You'll never be a leader here. I'm looking for, and the staff is looking for people who step into leadership opportunities. They step into pastoral opportunities. They step into opportunities for ministry and say, listen, I'm willing to do it whether the name tag says it or not, buddy, because I'm not doing it because it says so. I'm doing it because that's who I am. And that's it, 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 the same way in God's economy. Financially now, back to that. God says, you want me to trust you with more? Just let me see that I can trust you with what you currently have. Oh, no, 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 God. If you will give me more, then I will be more generous. And God says, no, you won't. No, you won't because I know the heart of man. You're going to do what's best for you. So just start stepping into this principle of let me see that you can be trusted with what little I give you now. And if you can be trusted, then guess what? I'll give you more. Principle number two. Let's look back at the scripture. Paul writes, each of you, what's each of you mean? As a group, personally. Personally, right? He's talking to you. Like again, I said this a couple weeks ago, and some of you laughed. You never thought about it before. You will not enter into God's gates as a group. Every one of us will enter into God's presence as an individual given an account for our life. You're not going to be able to sneak in in my group, right? Maybe they won't know I'm here, right? And you just tiptoe, no, 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 get down, get down. No, it ain't going to happen, right? And so Paul says, each of you, right, should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves what kind of giver? I oh, see some of you in the back didn't say that, right? So you probably didn't hear me. God loves what time of giver? Cheerful giver. Yeah, a cheerful giver. Principle number two is this God doesn't enjoy angry offerings. God doesn't enjoy angry offerings. Like some of you, when you give that check, it's so hard for you to drop it into the offering plate. Like the usher has to come by and kind of pull it out of your fingers, right? Just <laughs> let go. Money, all oh, you're just like, oh, I don't want to. Listen, we don't need it that bad. And God doesn't need it at all. If you can't give with a smile on your face, with gladness in your heart, keep it and put it towards something that makes you smile. Because God loves a cheerful giver. Like We want your heart to fall in love with the things that has God's heart. And I think this church represents a lot of God's heart. It's like That's our desire. We want to do things that we think makes God smile. We want to live this ministry, lead this ministry in a way that it's so easy for God to bless us. And when you're able to see God blessing us, if you do see God blessing us, or if you see our effectiveness in the neighborhood or with this own church family, then how do you align kind of what you're doing generosity-wise with what we're doing generosity so that, that we do it together? But don't do it with a, with a growl or a frown on your face. That's no fun. No, man. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. See, you guys know the Scripture. How do you align your heart with the things of the Lord? Now, I love this next portion of the scripture. This is my favorite part of chapter 9. Look what he says. And I'm going to make you read out loud. Okay, you ready to help me out? And God is, what's the word? Able. Able. Say it with me. God is? Now, some of you don't need to read out loud. And here's why you don't need to read out loud. Is when you speak it, sometimes we kind of get things. And if you get this, then God's going to hold you accountable that you know it. So some of you need to go to the bathroom right now. Because ignorance is not bliss. Sometimes ignorance is sin. And I'm about to make you unignorant to what God says about you and resources. Okay? So you ready for this? This is going to change your life if you'll accept it and believe it. Here we go. God is able. He's not unable. He is able to bless you. How so? Abundantly. Is abundantly more than necessary or expected? Yes. God is able to bless you so generous. I love so that. Here's the hook. Right? So that in all things, say it with me, all things at all times having All that you need, you will abound in every good work. Do you see the word sometimes in there? Or maybe? No, let me read this to you now and just kind of let it soak over you. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Some of you are like, I don't get it yet. Let me explain it this way, how I learned it. One day I was having a frustrated conversation with God about why I wasn't wealthy. Now, on world standards, I'm wealthy, but in Johnson County, the Millers aren't, okay? And I was whining a little bit, and that's, that's selfish. I'll own it. God, why, why aren't I wealthy? Why, don't, why is not there are more zeros on my savings account and checking account? Why? You know what God said to me? God speaks to me. hope he speaks to you, right? God says, because I asked him, I said, why can't you trust me? Because I have this, uh, this principle in my own life that I want to live a life where God can trust me with anything. And God said to me, man, it's nothing to do with trust. What do you need more for? What do you need more for? He goes, are your bills not being paid? Are your kids not being fed? He goes, tell me one thing at New City Church that I'm not resourcing right now for you. He said, buddy, I'm resourcing completely abundantly every dream you have. If you want more resources, get a bigger dream. If you want more, then get a bigger vision. I'm giving you more than what you need for what you're currently doing. So don't whine to me about wanting to be wealthy. You don't need to be wealthy. I'm giving you exactly what you need for this season of your life. Now, some of you go, wow, you sound like Joel Osteen. (laughs) This is not name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. I'm not talking that. I'm not even anti-Joel. But what I want you guys to hear, principle number three, God will resource your current vision, not beyond it. Everyone in this room, God is called toward a ministry. I don't know if you've discovered it yet, but God has called you. He has saved you on purpose for a very specific thing. And the sooner you realize that ministry and the scope of it, and you begin to allow God to work through you towards that ministry objective, He's going to resource that ministry. And the, and the more you trust God with what He might want to do, listen, the more you open up His opportunity to bless you in that Notice the words. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now he, will, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, everything that we sow was given to us first by God. You didn't create the seed. You didn't create it. It was every talent you have, anything that you might sow that might bring in a harvest. Man, you have to understand that it first came from God. And when you think, oh no, 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 it's mine. No, I remember on a, a Survivor, I love Survivor, this one time this girl got mad at the Christian and said, make your God start the fire, make your God start the fire. I'll start mine and you start yours. And I wish it had been smart enough to say, okay, fine, go get your own wood. Yeah. Well, she brought wood. No, 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 go make your own wood. That wood came from God. You're going to burn something that you didn't even create, that you didn't even make. So go, go make your own wood and then start your own fire. Everything that we have comes from the Father. It's not yours, it's God. And so he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. God wants to trust us with more so that we can continue to be more generous on every occasion. Here's the fourth principle, and it actually it revolves around this entire passage. The fourth principle is this. You cannot outgive God. You can't. You can't outgive God. You can try. Give it a go. Give it a go. Try to outgive God. He will not let you. He will not allow you to be more generous than he is. But some of us go, oh yeah, I believe that, but we don't step into it. I want to have you write down some numbers, right? Some of you love the numbers. You're like the logic person. I'm going to give you facts and data, right? We're taking this row sheet every week, man. I said it was a pilot. We're going to keep doing it. I'm loving the data. Like, did you know that I can communicate through email or whatever just to this group without and, and exclude the other two services? Like, Because you guys signed up for the 11 o'clock. It's beautiful, right? Like, we can just look at what's going on right now, right here with these people. And we've been doing that for two weeks, not just for 11, but the entire church. And uh, we're going to share some of that data in a moment. But I want to tell you some stories first about how you can't outgive God. First one is this. I want you to write the number 600, the number 33,000. And I want you to do this on the top of your the other side of your page, above the generosity ladder word, 633,000, 15,000. Pretty fun. I'm going to tell you some fun stories. Four months ago, we tried to acquire more space here from our landlord, the pavilion, which is 8,000 square foot. And right next to it, it's an empty 2,000 square foot space was up. It was up vacant. Uh, but we couldn't work a deal. What they wanted us to pay for that, we just it wasn't feasible. It didn't make sense to purchase that or to rent that money. So we let it go. And instead, we decided to uh, completely uh, redo our current Kid City space. So if you have children over in elementary, we've completely gutted that whole spot and we're, we're wrapping it up. And when we're done, we'll, able, we'll be able to have 30 more kids per hour uh, in that space. So it's, it's going to be fantastic when we're finished, right? And so we started the remodeling, which started with a demolition because there's a lot of walls and space that we weren't using. So we're gutting the joint. And um, as we're doing this process, we get an email, Pastor Chris and a couple others get an email from our landlord saying that they have a renter for the pavilion so that 8,000 square foot space is no longer available. But the 2,000 space next to it still is. They didn't want it. Would we be interested in acquiring that space? Well, how much? was crazy, is what they offered back to us was $600 less than what we had offered four months ago, a month, right? So uh, yeah, we're going to take it, right? And so God has really, really blessed us, and what we're going to be able to use that space for is, uh, is plan it out so that our teenagers can have a space for their meetings on Sunday, and then we can use it for other some discipling opportunities throughout the week. So God's given us 2,000 square foot of space with a very, very sweet deal. Can somebody say, thank you, Lord? Thank you, Lord. Let's see, some of you don't get it. Sorry, i got to be Arkansan and Matt for a minute here. Get a little like my dad, Jimmy Dole Miller. <laughs> Chris laughs because he's not my dad. <clears throat> um, sometimes parents come in here with teenagers, and they say, what do you have for my kid? And we say, Ugh. well, up here we have in the projection room, we have a little student space. Your kid maybe has like a 12 square inches where they can maybe turn in circles in, right? There's not a lot of room for them. And I can just tell on their face. And this is maybe not the best sign of spiritual maturity, but I just see on their face they ain't coming back. They're going to go find a church that's going to be able to provide opportunity for their teenager. Although I think we provide opportunity for their teenager, but that's a hurdle. They don't have space. And so when the landlord allows us to have a sweet deal to get two thousand more square foot, and we're going to be able to create a space for teenagers. And when mom and dads come in the room, they say, "Hey, what do you have for my fifteen-year-old?" I can say, "Oh man, we got da 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 da, and we got da 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 da, and we got da 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 da," and they go, "Oh, that's fantastic!" Do you see what God's done? Now, can you say, God, thank you for that. Awesome. I like it when people come here and their children grow up. See, my dream is that one day I'm sitting at the chair and I look to my right and there's my wife and there's my three kids and it's their spouses are with them and my grandkids are in Kid City. See, that's my dream. Your dream may be, I want my kids to go to different churches because this is not applicable here. No, I want my kids to grow in their understanding of the Lord right here at New City. I want to have my hands all over. I almost said have my hands all over your kids, but that sounds weird. I want to have our ministry all over your children so that they're growing in the way of the Lord. 33,000. As Curtis and I are demoing, Pastor Casey, our edging campus pastor's there. As we're demoing this place, um, we we get into uh, Matt Mars comes in the room. Matt Mars works for the Southern Baptist denomination in our neighborhood. Uh, we're a Southern Baptist church. Some of you don't know that, but we are. They've been extremely generous to us. Matt comes in and says, "Hey, Nam, the North American Mission Board, who is their kind of their church planning wing?" He said they just bought a house in Shawnee for you guys. And I go, what do you mean for us? He goes, well, they're buying houses in certain cities throughout the United States, and they're buying them close to churches that they know plant other churches, like you guys. It's a $220,000, four-bedroom, three-bath house that was a flip. And the next time you have a guy who wants to plant a church, they can live in it for free for two years. That's about $33,000 in rent that they've said, here, New City, all you need is identify a leader. And I know some of you are like, oh, free rent, I'll do it. We've already got a guy, all right? we already got a guy. $15,000. Fifteen thousand. On the way out of the room, Matt Mars turns to me and he says, "Oh, hey, by the way, um, I have in my budget line some resources for projects like this. So um, if you'll give me like what you're doing and why you're doing it, I could probably get you fifteen thousand yeah, dollars." That's what I said. I'm like, like really, fifteen grand? I said like, I can probably take some time out of my day to get you a list for that, right? <laughs> So I did. I go home, I got Pastor Chris and my wife, and we started looking about what we had spent so far on the, the, the property and, and what we're going to spend on it. And you kind of get a feel of how we are as a team. But then I said, well, you know, we got that new space that, that, that our students are going to be in, and we didn't really, we hadn't budgeted, we didn't expect that, so we didn't budget for that in 2016. So I'm going to go ahead and put what we're thinking we might spend on that if we could. And then I remember we're trying to reach these college kids at Kansas City Christian College, because they have to go to church somewhere because it's a Christian school, and we're trying to bribe them to come here. And so we're going to feed them after church on Sundays at five, right? Just feed them because they're hungry and they're poor. We're going to feed them food, free food. And um, because I think this is a good place for them to be, right? I'm proud of our ministry. And, uh, and, uh, but our kitchen's not suited for that. And so we need to, so Pastor Charlie put together a deal. Hey, this is what it would take for us to do it. So I just went ahead to Matt Morris. I'm like, hey, here's the stuff that we're going want. Here's the stuff that we're doing that we're going to do soon and what we hope to do. Anything that you could put toward it, man, we'd be so grateful, right? Thank you. Yesterday in the mail, would you do me a favor? I told you right down fifteen thousand. Could you make that one of four? We received a check for forty-five thousand dollars yesterday from the North American Mission Board. Isn't that not fantastic, <laughs> guys? You can't outgive God. You can't. He will resource. Matt, you dream it, baby. Get your team together. Ask me what I want to do. See what I'm already doing, what I might want to do on a bigger level. And you cannot outgive me. I will resource every single thing. Now, some of you, here we go. I'm going to step on some toes. Are you ready? More numbers at the bottom. I'm moving. Here we go. I I got 10 minutes. At the bottom of your page in the corner, I want you to write 463. Right above that number, I want you to write 375. Right above that number, I want you to write 248 or 67. 463, 375, 248, or 67. Some of you are going to be like, oh. Some of you are going to be so discouraged by this. I think it's an opportunity. Over the last two weeks, we've had 463 people come through our ministry on Sunday morning. Pretty cool, right? Of those 463, 375 were adults. Of those 375 adults, 248, or 67%, have not given a dime towards the ministry of New City Church. Not a dime. 67% of this room celebrates what God's doing and what we're doing. Meanwhile, it's not, look what we've done. It's, look what they've done. I want you to be able to say, we, and mean it. I want to show you an example. This ladder is here on purpose. It's not, we didn't forget it, okay? Okay. Um, This ladder represents all of the resource responsibilities of New City Church. From turning the lights on to the ministry we do in Laos, it covers everything we do. Everything in the context of generosity at New City is going to be represented on this ladder. And I'm inviting some of you today, if you've never given at New City Church and you're calling this your church home, to get on the ladder and just simply start to give. It's that simple. Just start to give. I'm not telling you what to give. I just want you to be able to say, you know what? I sent Billy to Boston, and hey, I took care of uh, 30 new churches in Laos that got started this year, and, and that was me. Like, I'm a part of that we, By just simply starting. But I don't want you to stay there long, and some of you started a long time ago, right? And you took a step, and you've been a consistent giver. A consistent giver is simply someone who gives when they think about it, they give when they got it, or they think the message was good enough. I don't know right? Like, you like the movie, you give. I don't know. I, I always pay before I go to the movie, uh, and I always pay for my food, even if I didn't like the meal. But anyway, that's a whole other topic. But sometimes we don't, we, we just give every once in a while, right? And, and, and I want to ask you guys who are kind of, you give c- kind of consistently to take a step, and this is my heart for the majority of the church, that we get to this place, where you're an on-purpose giver. Giving on purpose means this, You're never, ever, ever again for the rest of your life, whether it's this church or another church, you're never, ever surprised by the offering at the end of the service because you have decided in your heart, not reluctantly or on compulsion, what you're going to give. If it's five bucks, that's fine. You've decided in your heart and you're giving it cheerfully. If it's 500, 5,000, 5 million, I don't care. You come in here knowing what you're going to do or you come into another church, if you're visiting today, knowing what you're going to do. This is a part of your worship as much as anything else is. And here's the thing. Ready for this? My, the temptations I face? I am tempted not to, because of this rung, for the people who kind of give every once in a while, consistently, but not on purpose, I was tempted not to tell you about the $45,000 gift. You know why? Because you would say, oh, they don't need my money. Oh, somebody else gave it, so I don't have to. Awesome. Put wrap, void on that check. All right? Tear that up. Don't, don't put that in there. All right? Here's the thing, right here, can I help you out with something? Here is where you start giving out of obedience, whether the church needs it or not. God has blessed you, you recognize that God's blessed you, and therefore you give back on purpose. I'm not even talking about an amount yet, right? You decide in your heart, cheerful giver, knowing your gifts, on purpose. The next step, and it's higher on the thing. Joe, we're going to wait just one more time, but you're good. The next, I'm going to do my tippy toes, right? On purpose but a percentage on purpose. Now, the reason that this is a step up is because of simply this. If you're going to go here, it's going to take some maturing in your financial. Unless you're just simply loaded and super wealthy, you're going to have to be, we all laugh, we have, to, we have to put some thought from being, hey, I'm going to be on purpose today. I'm going to give this $20, to where you start saying, I'm going to give a percentage of my income. Somebody asked me once, well, what percentage do I give? Do I give, the, do, I, do I give off of my gross, or do I give off my net? And here's my new response. When you're buying a house and the bank asks you how much money you make, do you give them the big number or the little number? I give off the big number. You know why I do that? Well, it's principle number four. Somebody tell me, I you, principle number four. You can't outgive give God. You know what I do that's crazy? I give a percentage off of my income tax return. What? Yeah, my mama's going to give me money for my birthday tomorrow. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tithe off of it. My mother in law sent me 75 bucks. Guess what? 750 right off the top. Doesn't matter. It's going back to New City Church. And I'm hard nosed. That's just a tithe. I'm not even talking about the other stuff that I might do. But I have decided, my family, that there is a percentage of our income that we're giving back to God through the means of New City Church. And so we have to budget around that. Like we have budget meetings in my house where we talk about it. Because I'm telling you, if I didn't do this, I'd be driving the Rubicon, not the entry level Jeep. Are you with me? Like, this affects what you're going to do with your resources. It's going to affect what house you live in. It's going to affect what vacations you take or don't take. It's going to affect if you put regular or the super awesome gas in your car. I don't know, right? But this right here, like, you just don't go into this blindly. It takes some maturing in your finances on what you're going to do. But that's not the last step. I'm going to make some of you in the room nervous, but I don't care. Hold me there, Joey. The goal, did Jesus give some or did Jesus give all? Aren't you glad Jesus didn't just give a percentage of his life? Take an arm. No. Jesus was whole life generous. And this is where we're asking you to go. I was talking, I just had a brain freeze and I can't think, of an, helping a, a homeless guy. That's a, st- a type of whole life generosity. Like it's not just money, but up here your perspective's different. Like I can see things from up here that I couldn't see down there. And when you and I take steps and it, it get, like we, we begin to understand that generosity includes money, but it's also so much more than money, man, we just see the world different. Because I begin to believe, you know what? I can out give God. I cannot' give God with my money. I can't give God with my time. I can't give, give God with my talents and my resources. Like I get to pour my life out in God's responsibility, through His great abundance, all things, all times, that He fills me back up so that I can continue the ministry that He's given me. Is that not awesome? And this is a beautiful step to take, but you got to get on the ladder. You got to begin to move. You got to take steps up to this whole life generosity. And that is the challenge. That is the charge. That is the opportunity. And I want you to play with us. I believe with everything in me that God has tremendous dreams for this church. And I need you. I want you. I don't want to say I need you. I want you. I want you to be a part of what we're doing. I don't want you to talk about what your church is doing. I want you to talk about what you're doing. See the difference there? It's yours. It's ours. And we all get to play when we're on this. So here's the, I'm landing the plane here, application. If this is your home church, this is where you, man, I love this place. This is where I'm going. And you've yet to give, just start giving. And if you've already done that at some point, you wrote a check, you gave some cash, what does it look like for you to take a step towards being consistent in that? Every time you get paid, every time you, get to come, every time you come to church, whatever, you decide, but form a consistent. If you've been doing this already, what is it like for you to come in and give on purpose? An intentional, on-purpose giver, if you've been doing that, because I've been saying that for a while now, have the conversation with your friends, with your spouse, with the Lord. Is there a percentage that God's asking you to step into that you can begin to become obedient? And then, boom. What does God want to say to you in every area of your life, concerning generosity. man, will you take a step with us? And God is so, so good. Amen? Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for today. May we apply this to our lives. May we grow up in our generosity. May we celebrate all that you're doing. It's in Jesus' name that we pray this. Amen.